Welcome, welcome, welcome to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I'll be going through the biggest moments in the world of sports and playing some great music along the way. So last week, I talked about the NBA and NHL playoffs round one, and that was mainly for time purposes, just because if I wanted to talk about everything that had happened, then that would be, I'd run out of time and have to really shorten what I'd want to say about each individual series. So I did round one last week. This week, I'm going to do round two of both the NBA and NHL playoffs. As well, I'm also going to talk about the UEFA Champions League semifinal between Ajax and Tottenham. While it maybe didn't have quite the pizzazz that Barcelona versus Liverpool had, it was certainly another fantastic couple of games. And then as well, I'll be taking a look at the review in the Premier League with the Premier League wrapping up over the weekend. And so I will take a look back on what was a historic title race in England. But first, the NBA playoffs round two. And I have a reason for starting with this, and that's because of the Toronto Raptors series. The Raptors took on the Philadelphia 76ers, and Toronto won the series in seven games in the most amazing way possible, I guess. The most historic way possible, as Toronto... In Game 7, the game was tied 90-90 with 4 seconds on the clock. Kawhi Leonard got the inbound pass, took it to the right-hand side, faded away, put up the jump shot over the outstretched arm of Joel Embiid, and the ball hit the rim once, and it hit the rim again, and again, and one more time before it finally dropped in. It was unbelievable. In the moment... I'm sure for the diehard Raptors fans out there, it probably felt like a million years that the ball was just bouncing on the rim because that's how sports feels sometimes. But it was an unbelievable unbelievable moment in Toronto Raptors history and something that I think all Raptors fans can remember and even just a fan of Canadian basketball can remember because... The Raptors franchise isn't doesn't have a lot of those really good moments. They have a lot of moments where there's heartbreak or disappointment or just overall mediocreness. I know that's not really a word, but it works for this situation. So to have that moment for the Toronto Raptors is truly special and now they move on to the conference finals, and that's very exciting. Only the second time ever in their history that they've made the conference finals, and why not? I mean, this this team, it, it certainly wasn't a perfect series by any means. I think Marc Gasol especially, I'm going to give Gasol some credit. His defense on Joel Embiid was exceptional in this series. It really was, and... Embiid might be the best center in basketball, so the fact that Marcus Gasol was able to play the kind of defense that he was throughout this series is truly a testament to how good he is, but he has to hit some open shots at some point, right? Like, it was very frustrating watching Marcus Gasol, and he, he was far from the only player who missed open shots in this series, but the Raptors had a horrible shooting percentage on wide open looks. And that is something that will need to change going forward if the Raptors want to meet their eventual end goal for this season. Of course, for Toronto, I mean, it's hard not to talk about Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard in this series was simply sensational. And yeah, he, <laughs> I think, has, if he hadn't, won over every Raptors fan before this series, he definitely has after this series. Kawhi Leonard averaged almost 35 points a game, almost 10 rebounds, and shot over 50% from the field, which is unbelievable. And his total number of points that he had in this series against Philadelphia, there's only a handful of people in NBA history 
that have had more points than Kawhi Leonard in a series. And a couple of them are like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Michael Jordan. You know, those guys who are Hall of Fame, you know, top 10 players of all time. In Jordan's case, he's considered the greatest ever. So when those are the guys who are ahead of you for something, that's pretty good. I think you're in pretty good company. So I think ultimately, I know the trade was hard for, for Raptors fans, sending DeRozan to... San Antonio and Kawhi coming back to Toronto but this is why you make trades like this because DeRozan for I think he deserves a lot of credit a lot of respect for everything he did for the Raptors and he will 100% have his jersey retired because he deserves that but in the history of the National Basketball Association when you look at the teams that have won championships and this isn't this isn't a, a firm rule. There are exceptions to this. But most teams that have won a championship have had a top five player in the world. DeMar DeRozan was great. But he's never been really a top five player. He's been like a top 15 player. Kawhi Leonard is a top five player in the world. I mean, he might be the best player in the world right now considering how well he's been playing both offensively and defensively, which... You know, goes unnoticed sometimes just because he's so good, so strong, and just... I think his wingspan and his big hands are so good at getting steals and overall just making plays on defense. Like, he can get blocks, he can get steals, he can disrupt any kind of dribbling momentum. Like, anytime Kawhi was guarding someone in the series, it felt like they had a bad night, whether it was Ben Simmons or Jimmy Butler or whoever. Like, it really was... A true masterclass performance. And ultimately the trade was kind of vindicated by the series that Kawhi had in leading Toronto into the conference finals. As far as other notes from this series on the Raptors side of things, Kyle Lowry, not his best series, but I loved his leadership in this series. Because I know Lowry gets a lot of heat just because he doesn't always have his best performances. And the truth is, Lowry, I don't know, he's a little frustrating sometimes when it comes to shooting the basketball. But it's undeniable how important he was to the Raptors in this series because his leadership, he was hustling, he was diving for every loose ball. He was out there being the leader that the team needed him to be. And that's something that going forward, the Raptors are going to need every minute of his leadership going forward in the conference finals. As for other notes, I really hope OG Ananobi comes back because Toronto need him. Their bench was, to say the least, exposed a little bit against Philadelphia. And they'll, I think they need OG back to help give the bench a little bit of a boost. And that way the starters can get a little more time off. But anyway, that's the Toronto side. The Philadelphia side is a lot of question marks just because... Jimmy Butler is a free agent this summer. Tobias Harris is a free agent this summer. And the nickname for the Philadelphia team over the last few years has been the process because they tanked for many years, got their, got a lot of really high draft picks, and now is when it's supposed to be paying off for them. And the truth is Philadelphia are kind of locked into what they have, which makes their situation a little bit interesting because... They don't have any more assets. They traded all of their assets for Butler and Harris. So they're going to have to try and re-sign both of them. And, I mean, in the end, I don't think it matters that much. I think for Philadelphia to take the next step, they need Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid to show internal improvement. Like, Embiid was, like, hurt and sick this whole series. And, like, I'm not trying to sound, un, you know disrespectful in any way but like Joel Embiid had these like stomach problems like throughout the series and if you okay if you have a stomach problem for a game or two I could understand that maybe you ate something that didn't sit right with you or you know something there could have been like something completely out of your control but when you have like stomach problems as a professional athlete for like the entire series like I feel just Joel Embiid probably 
Even though this guy, he's on an NBA team, and I'm sure that he has access to the best, like, nutritionists and, you know, healthcare people and all of that, like, people to take care of him. And he just... Clearly, there's something probably wrong with his diet or something he does, like, medically. I don't know all the details, obviously, because I don't... (laughs) I don't know Joel Embiid personally, but I feel like there's something kind of wrong with him when he's out for that or he's not out for that many games but he's impacted by those issues for so many games so I I feel like Embiid is probably a player that needs to take a look at what is his regimen what is his routine and I think he needs to change up what he does on game day and on off days as well for Ben Simmons the other young star in Philadelphia, get a jump shot. And I'm not going to ever accuse someone of not trying, but he clearly didn't put in enough time over the summer, last summer, because he didn't have a jump shot before last summer, and he came out of last summer without a jump shot. And, like, people aren't expecting him to be able to hit three-pointers on a regular basis. But, like, if you look at what Giannis Antetokounmpo is doing for Milwaukee, he needs to be able to shoot at least somewhat close to that, where he can take the, you know, a couple shots a game from, you know, mid-range or three and, like, you know, have some kind of hope that he'd hit at least a couple of them. Like, he has... Not being able to shoot in today's NBA is very detrimental to your team because it makes you a liability in a lot of cases on offense. So Ben Simmons has to put in a ton of time this summer and just work on developing some semblance of a jump shot. We'll see. I don't know. Philadelphia summer will be very interesting. But I think one that will be even more interesting is Boston's. In moving on to the other Eastern Conference series, Milwaukee beat Boston 4-1, to which really surprised me because I thought this would be a seven-game series. But you know what? Paul Pierce, like, reverse jinx the Celtics because Paul Pierce, uh, former Celtics legend, after the Celtics won game one, he said the series was over. And technically he was right because Milwaukee killed Boston in every single other game in the series. The problem was that Paul Pierce meant it was over for Milwaukee when it was really over for Boston. But that that was just kind of funny because he got rightfully trolled on social media for that because... It's kind of a perfect example of how you can't put all your eggs into a game one analysis because adjustments get made, players play differently, like from one game to the next all the time. So that's something that I think Boston will have to learn from. But the Celtics have a lot of question marks. Kyrie Irving's a free agent this summer. They might try to trade for Anthony Davis. I'm not sure. We'll see. Although the Pelicans just won the draft lottery, and that was that was quite something. And I, I might get into that in a future show about the draft lottery in the NBA. But Boston have a lot of question marks and not a lot of answers. So we'll have to see what they do. For the Bucks, it's a conference final appearance. They will play Toronto. It's going to be so fun, I think, watching Giannis Antetokounmpo versus Kawhi Leonard. These two players have been the best players in the Eastern Conference. We'll see who comes out on top. Should be very fun. And then to the Western Conference, Denver versus Portland was really cool just because it wasn't a very star-studded series, but it was very intriguing and very evenly matched. And they had Game 3 in this series, went to four overtimes, which is a playoff record in the NBA. Damian Lillard, Nikola Jokic were tremendous, and CJ McCollum, that Game 7 performance, took his team into the conference finals. So Portland are through, and their opponent, the defending champion Golden State Warriors, who are actually a little more vulnerable than I thought they'd be, because in the series against the Houston Rockets, with the series tied 2-2, Kevin Durant got injured in Game 5. Thankfully, it was not an Achilles tear that a lot of people thought it was, and it ended up being just a calf strain instead. And 
I mean, calf strains aren't nothing, but when the alternative is, you know, thank God he didn't tear his Achilles, that's probably a good thing. So Kevin Durant should be able to return at some point in the conference final series. The Rockets, though, blew such a big opportunity in this series. They lost Game 5 when Durant went out, and they lost Game 6 on their home floor with no Durant and with Steph Curry having zero points at halftime. Like, at some point, I don't like putting everything on winning for players because I feel like that's unfair to what their legacy would be. But at some point, if you want to be considered an all-time great player, at some point you have to win. You don't have to win every year because that's impossible. But at some point you have to win. This was their chance to win because they had the reverse of what happened a year ago. And... James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, Mike D'Antoni, all the Houston core guys. It's just, I think it should be a lot of looking in the mirror and seeing what did we do wrong and can we ever get back to this type of situation? Because championship windows close faster than teams think they do. And I'm not going to say Houston's championship window is closed. But I don't know how much longer it'll be open. So this was really a series where Houston, they were shown by Golden State what the heart of a champion looks like. And they couldn't, they didn't respond to it. So that's going forward. A lot of questions for Houston, but they don't really have a ton of, room to move so for them it's you know mental improvement try and do the Washington Capitol thing and you know come back with the same team and win again the following year Golden State meanwhile on the conference finals they're playing the Portland Trail Blazers Kevin Durant should be back at some point in the conference final series unless like the Warriors sweep them or something but I don't think they'd quite sweep Portland I'll give Portland at least some respect in that aspect. Boogie Cousins might also be back for Golden State, which does not bode well for either Milwaukee or Toronto on the eastern side because I don't care what their record is. Until they're beaten, Golden State is the best team in basketball. They are the dynasty. They deserve every benefit of the doubt until they're beaten. So I still think the Warriors are probably championship favorites, although it's not as quite as clear-cut as it maybe was a couple months ago. That was a really long segment, but that I had a lot to say about the NBA round two. The matchups were really good in round two compared to round one, so I wanted to give it a really long, nice segment. And don't worry, I still have lots more to talk about. NHL playoffs round two coming up in my next one, as well taking a look at the Champions League semifinals and a review of the Premier League. For right now, I just have one song in my first music break of the day, and that is Daddy Yankee and Con Calma. You're listening to CMRU.ca, by students, for you. Cuando 
by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. I am into my second segment of the day, and that is NHL playoffs round two. And unlike the NBA, where round two was a way more intriguing than round one, the NHL, I felt like it was the reverse. And this is purely my Canadian bias because every Canadian team got knocked out. Calgary, unfortunately, by Colorado. Toronto by Boston, and Winnipeg by St. Louis. So, plus, I don't know. I know the NHL, the reason why they have their playoff format in place is to try and get more rivalries going. The problem is that, like, none of these series are really rivalries. Like, Sharks-Avalanche. That's not a rivalry. Blue Jackets and Bruins. Also not a rivalry. Islanders-Hurricanes. Not a rivalry. Blue Stars, not a rivalry. Like, that's kind of my my issue is that, like, okay, round one had all these great matchups, but then round two, it's like, yeah, none of these games are rivalries. And it's not that they were bad hockey games. It's just, I don't know, the storylines, there's less of them to round two. But anyway, I'll go through the four series. I'll start with the Bruins and Blue Jackets. Columbus, for the first time ever, made a second-round series after shocking everybody and beating the Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Unfortunately, their playoff run came to an end in this series. Boston won it in six. Columbus actually went up 2-1 in this series before the Bruins marched back and won pretty comfortably in two of the final three games. I think for Boston, the biggest keys... I mean, obviously, their best players were their best players, as they tend to be. Pasternak, Marchand, and Bergeron continue to just completely (laughs) obliterate other teams' defenses because they're so good together, and it's impossible to stop the three of them. But I think the biggest surprise for Boston was Tukarask in goal because... Rask really surprised, I think, a lot of people with how good he was and provided the goaltending that Boston haven't had maybe in a couple of years from him. So that was something I think that the Bruins got quite a lot of. Columbus, I think they're just their goal scoring dried up a little bit. And you know what? For a franchise that's never made a second round series before, this was already a win for them. So I'm not going to fault. I'm not going to like criticize Columbus at all like they they went all in at the trade deadline and you know what they didn't make the conference finals they didn't make the Stanley Cup final but this team had never won a playoff series and they beat one of the best regular season teams ever in a sweep so they should feel proud of this season no matter what Boston though they have bigger goals and they're through to the conference finals as a result The Islanders, meanwhile, took on the Hurricanes, and after New York swept, 
the Pittsburgh Penguins in the first round. They got swept by the Carolina Hurricanes, who won every game in this series. And, yeah, Carolina, I think it was just Peter Morazic played really well in the first two games for them. And then he got hurt, but Curtis McElhaney, the backup goalie, came in and played really well in the last two games. And Carolina won, is more or less how I describe it. The Islanders, I think, were always a team kind of punching above their weight a little bit. And their goal scoring really dried up in this series. They had five goals in the four games, which isn't going to cut it for them. But you know what? The Islanders should take a lot of pride from this season because after they lost John Tavares, a lot of people wrote them off, myself included. But I'm not... (laughs) I'm fully willing to admit when I was wrong because the Islanders surprised me and surprised a lot of people. And they should be really proud of that. You know what? The Islanders had a fantastic season overall. And you know what, if they can add some more scoring to their team in the forward ranks to complement Barzell and Eberly and, you know, all those guys, like, I think the Islanders could be a very scary team going forward. And Barry Trotz might just be the best coach in hockey. Like, he's such a good coach. What he did from last year to this year, considering the leaps the Islanders made under him, I mean, truly exceptional. For Carolina... They're the one team actually in my bracket that I got kind of right <laughs> because Car- I picked Carolina to go to the conference finals. So I got that right, even though the rest of my bracket is horribly wrong. But Carolina, I got right. And I mean, the Hurricanes, the- like I mentioned, they got good goaltending, but it's also just they're such a well knit group and they play really well together. I think the team chemistry there really pays off for them, especially in their forward lines where Justin Williams is providing excellent leadership as the captain. And then you got Aho and Theta Vinen, who are doing exceptional work in helping the goal-scoring efforts. All right, from east to west, the St. Louis Blues and the Dallas Stars. Similarly to the Denver-Portland series in the NBA, this was about as evenly matched as you will find a series. Like, it was back and forth. Really, like, either team could have won this. And ultimately, it came down to Game 7, double overtime, and finally, Patrick Maroon produced the moment of genius, scoring the game-winning goal, and sending St. Louis into the conference finals, and sending Dallas home. I think the Stars have a lot to be proud of themselves. Ultimately, they lost a series that was so evenly matched, it was just decided by very thin margins. They should feel absolutely no shame in losing this series. St. Louis should be very proud of winning a very close series with a very evenly matched team. And you know what? St. Louis have never won a cup in their history. Maybe this is the year. They, It's amazing. St. Louis, around the start of the new year, were at the bottom of the league. And now they're in the conference finals. Unbelievable turnaround for St. Louis, who suddenly have a really good team and a really good future that not even, you know, not even like, yeah, it's amazing. It was in January that this team had all kinds of questions, all kinds of trade rumors, and now here they are. It's, it's pretty amazing what a few months can do, and St. Louis are reaping all the benefits of that. Finally, on to the last series, the San Jose Sharks and the Colorado Avalanche. I kind of wanted Colorado to win this series just because it would make Calgary look better. But you know what? San Jose deserve a lot of credit. Once again, they won in seven games. They won 3-2 to two over Colorado, who, again, got great performances out of Nathan McKinnon and Miko Rantanen. But I think Colorado's problem was that all the depth performances they got in the Calgary series didn't quite carry over as well into the San Jose series. For the Sharks, meanwhile, Joe Pavelski and Logan Couture continue to be excellent playoff performers for them. And you know what? San Jose have been a team that's been close but never good enough over the last decade. Well, they have as good a chance as any. They're in the conference finals, and they will play St. Louis, which... If I had to guess, 
probably go seven games because I think the Blues and the Sharks are probably pretty evenly matched and probably equally tired because they're coming off grueling seven-game grinds in the conference semifinals. That's all I have to say about the NHL Round 2. I'll have NHL Round 3 recap in a future show. The NBA, I'll probably, because the NBA playoffs is a little behind the NHL playoffs, I'll probably only have updates till Game 3 or 4 for my next show, but I will definitely talk about the conference finals in the future. Coming up in my second half hour, it's soccer or European football, as they say, and I'll be going through Ajax versus Tottenham and recapping the epic title race in England. For right now, I just have the one song in my music break. It is Ed Sheeran and Castle on the Hill. Find something you recognize on cmru.ca. By students, for you. When I was six years old, I broke my leg. And I was running from my brother and his friends. Tasted the sweet perfume of the mountain grass I rolled down I was younger then Take me back to when I found my heart Broke it here, made friends and lost them through the years And I've not seen the boring fields in so long I know I've grown, but I can't wait I'm on my way Driving at 90 down those country lanes Singing to tiny dancers Cigarettes Running from law through the backfields And getting drunk with my friends Had my first kiss on a Friday night I don't reckon that I did it right But I was younger then Take me back to when we found Weekend jobs and when we got paid Buy cheap spirits and drink them straight Me and my friends have not thrown up in so long Oh how we've grown But I can't wait to go home
New year, new lineup. CMRU.ca has new shows just for you. From retro to your favorite meme songs. Tune in here at CMRU.ca. Bye, students, for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca. Bye, students, for you. I'm on to now my UEFA Champions League segment of the show. I preview, or, I, okay, I didn't really preview, but I reviewed the matchup between Barcelona and Liverpool, which was just crazy in itself. But a game that might even be crazier was the other semifinal between Ajax and Tottenham. This game, in the same way that Kawhi Leonard produced a moment of genius and hit a buzzer beater to win for Toronto, Lucas Mora produced this soccer equivalent of a buzzer beater to win it for Spurs and send them into the Champions League final for the first time in their history. So, breaking down the game. So, Ajax won the first game 1-0. And that was a win at Tottenham, at their new stadium, and was really good. Ajax were in the driver's seat. And after the first half, it looked like they were going to be the team going through. Because Ajax had scored twice. They got a header out of Delict, and Ziyech scored a really nice goal. Great finish into the back of the net as well. And that put Spurs oh, sorry, put Spurs down 3-0 on aggregate. So aggregate is just the score between the two games. So Ajax had scored three goals, Spurs hadn't scored a single one. So they were completely up against it in the second half. But they got, in the same way that Liverpool got two goals almost back-to-back, Spurs got two goals pretty much back-to-back. Lucas Moura scoring in the 55th and 59th minute to put his team in a position. Because Spurs were, at that point, after the two Lucas goals, down 3-2 to two on aggregate. But with another goal, it would be 3-3. Three, three. However, there's the away goals rule. And the away goals rule, because the second leg is played in the Netherlands, Tottenham would win on away goals if they got a third goal. And boy, did they get a third goal. So just for a little bit of reference, in the 90th minute, in the fifth minute of stoppage time, there was only five added minutes in this game. And in the fifth minute of stoppage time, Spurs launched a ball towards the box. And then it was Dele Ali playing it in to Lucas Mora, who fired it in to the back of the net. And when that goal went in, because I'm kind of an Arsenal fan, I'm not going to lie, I was pretty gutted. But I wasn't really gutted because Spurs won the game. I was gutted because Ajax lost the game. And you could just see the emotion on their face when the goal went in from Lucas that Ajax were just absolutely devastated. And I have to give credit to Spurs. They found a way. They really did. Against all the odds, they found a way. And Ajax just crumbled in the second half. They couldn't hold on defensively but even more heartbreaking was just the chances before that goal because Ajax had a brilliant chance in the 78th minute when they had a brilliant little piece of interplay get the ball was given at the top of the box to Ziyech who fired a shot off the goal post in the 78th minute, and that would have given them that extra cushion they would have needed. But sports are cruel sometimes. Like, like sports can be very cruel. They can also be extremely exhilarating and fun and entertaining and all of that. But they can be really cruel and really sad sometimes, especially for a team like Ajax in this situation because they weren't expected to be here. Ajax were playing with house money, And they could taste the Champions League final for the first time in decades. But in the end, Tottenham got it done with a literal buzzer-beating winning goal. 
and it's just crazy. It's crazy how good these matchups were in the semifinals. But you know what? Even though I really don't like Spurs, I have to give credit to Tottenham where credit is due because you know what? This team fought every minute to get to the Champions League final, and now they're there. And even though they, I would consider them anyway to be underdogs against Liverpool, never say never because as Tottenham have proved and even Liverpool proved against Barcelona in that second leg, anything's possible. And it should be a very interesting match. Liverpool in the, in the league matches, they tied one and Liverpool won the other one. But Liverpool won it on an own goal. So I could definitely see this game going the full distance into extra time. Ultimately, we'll have to wait and see. The Champions League final isn't until June 1st. And don't worry, I will be breaking down that matchup in every little detail. Everything from formations to starting lineups to who could be back. Because for Tottenham, Harry Kane's been mi- Harry Kane's missed the last few months with an injury. He could be back for this game in the Champions League final. For Liverpool... Salah made his return over the weekend, and so I would expect him to be back. Roberto Firmino, I think, will also be back for them, just because these two guys have been dealing with injuries for Liverpool, but they should be, I think, healthy and ready to go for the Champions League final. The biggest game in club football should be a lot of fun, and as I'm sure you can guess, I will be probably rooting for Liverpool just because I would love to see the redemption from Mohamed Salah but Spurs have a shot I I would definitely call them underdogs in this game but more they definitely will have an opportunity to win this game and you know what Tottenham have a very good quality team and they have some players in that team that can make a difference for them when it counts so should be very exciting Tottenham-Liverpool, June 1st, Champions League final. The semifinals this year were just next level. And I thought last year's semifinals were really good when Roma made that comeback. Uh, or, oh, sorry, almost made the comeback against Liverpool. That game was like 7-5 over two games. Yeah, the score was 7-5 over two games, which was crazy. And then Real Madrid beating Bayern Munich again. Although that was, that was just a great game because they were two very quality teams that went at each other. So... Either way, Champions League final, I'll preview that in a future show. For right now, I just have one more music break before my last segment. I'll be recapping the entire Premier League season because this title race was historically good for so many reasons. And I'll break down exactly what went down here. But before that, I have one song. It's One Republic and Good Life featuring B.O.B. Be yourself. Enjoy listening to any songs on CMRU.ca by students for you. I woke up with my feet up. Seat back, outfit, 30,000 feet up. What you know? And you know how I link up. Get my homie up. Told him what's up with the beach up. I remember back when I was living in a freezer. Had to keep my hustle up so I could keep the heat up. Now I got my cheese up. When it's smiling when they see us How you like me now, I'm even better when I re-up Woke up in London yesterday Found myself in the city near Piccadilly Don't really know how I got killed I got some pictures on my phone New names and numbers that I don't know Address to places like Abbey Road Take turns tonight, not turns to
something for everyone with nearly 40 different shows. Sports, hip-hop, rock, pop, country, jazz, brand new music, oldies that are goldies, anything you want. It's all on cmru.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on cmru.ca by students for you. I'm into my final segment of the day, and that is recapping the crazy Premier League season that finished over the weekend, and was won by Manchester City for the second year in a row. But this year was very historic, and I'll explain why it is. So Manchester City last year had 100 points and just ran away with the league. Like, they basically won the title in December. So that's how much better they were than everyone else last year. 100 points, by the way, is the record for most points ever in a Premier League season. The second most before this year was 95 by Chelsea in 2004. Manchester City had 98 points this year, which is the second most ever. Liverpool, who finished in second place, had 97 points this year, which... For context, Liverpool's 97 points in any other year except for last year against this same Manchester City team would have won the Premier League title. But this year, it was one point too few. Liverpool, by the way, only lost one game the entire season. And it came against Man City. And it was a game of inches. Like... This title race was absolutely crazy. Manchester City had to win their last 13 games to win the title. Liverpool won their last like eight or nine in a row. And I remember in March, I had a show where I was breaking down the last like several, I think it was the last eight games of the season. And I was breaking it down between the differences, you know, what the schedule was like, who they had to play, right? How many home games, how many away games, all that stuff. And... I said at the time, this was in March, that in order for Man City and Liverpool to win the league, they probably had to win out. Well, they both did. <laughs> and Manchester City, because they had a one-point lead at that time, kept their one-point lead and ended up winning the Premier League title for the second year in a row, which a massive congratulations should go to them because it was crazy how good these two teams were. It really was. 98 points and 97 points. The second and third most points ever in a season. And Manchester City won 32 out of 38 games. Liverpool only lost once. 
and their one loss came to Man City. And this loss, too, this is just, again, the idea, going back to the tottenham Ajax conversation, but the idea of sports being very cruel sometimes because when Liverpool played Manchester City at the Etihad Stadium this year, which is Manchester City's home stadium, by the way, for those of you who don't know, there was a moment in the first half where Liverpool had a shot that was 1.12 centimeters away from crossing the goal line. But there was just a sliver. Like, like if you look at the picture, um, there's an article about it on CBSSports.com from January that shows it really well. And when you look at it, it's just a sliver, a fraction of the ball is not over the line. And the rule in soccer is the ball has to be completely over the line in order for a goal to happen. So a sliver of the ball was still on the goal line. And it's just... That was the difference because Manchester City won this game. And if that ball would have gone in for Liverpool, it would have been a tie. And then Liverpool would have won the league and they would have been invincible. Just like Arsenal's team was several years... Well... I shouldn't say several. I guess this was over a decade ago. But anyway, Arsenal's invincible team that didn't lose a single game the whole season. Liverpool would have been invincible if the ball would have gone 1.12 centimeters more over the goal line. So, ultimately, I mean, it's it's such a game of fine margins. It really is. And it's heartbreaking for Liverpool, but they should feel nothing but pride for this season. Because their team was unbelievable. And Manchester City, same thing. Unbelievable season for both the teams. Looking at the team stats overall for the season, Manchester City had 95 goals, which was first place. Liverpool had 89 goals, second place. Third place was Arsenal, 73. They were 16 goals behind Liverpool. 16 goals. That's a lot of goals over a 38-game season. Not to mention on defense, Liverpool had 21 clean sheets, which was the most in the league. Manchester City had 20 clean sheets. Good for second most in the league. Like, these two teams were just straight up unbelievable this season. And they truly, I think, deserve so much credit, so much respect. And they gave us one of the best title races ever because it came down to the final day, to the final game. And in the end, Manchester City were able to beat Brighton. Liverpool's win against Wolves... Ultimately, just not quite good enough. As far as the rest of the table, Chelsea finished in third after a very bumpy season, but one that could have a lot of consequences for them because Eden Hazard is expected to leave for Real Madrid, and if that's the case, it would be a massive loss for Chelsea. Tottenham finished in fourth, just barely, and again, an up-and-down season for them too, but they're back in the Champions League for next year, so... They don't have to worry about the Champions League final as much because the winner of the Champions League final gets an automatic place in the following year's competition. Arsenal, meanwhile, were a point behind Spurs and finished in fifth place. For Arsenal, they could still make the Champions League, but they need to win the Europa League final. They'll play Chelsea later this month. Manchester United finished in sixth. Man United were awful under Mourinho and then were better under Solskjaer but still not quite good enough. The teams that went down, Cardiff City, Fulham, Huddersfield. Fulham were a little bit surprising. Cardiff, Huddersfield, just not good enough this season. The Golden Boot ended up being a three-way tie between Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang of Arsenal, Sadio Mane, and Mohamed Salah of Liverpool. The African Trident all tied for the Golden Boot. And Hazard led the league in assists with 15. And in clean sheets, uh, Alisson of Liverpool won the Golden Glove. That's pretty much all I have to say about the crazy title race in England, though. It was so much fun, and I really hope that we can get something similar next season because that would be so much fun to watch, and it was so much fun to watch this year. So a lot of fun, and just because a lot of the club soccer season is coming to an end doesn't mean soccer's over because there is the Copa America starting in the middle of June and the FIFA Women's World Cup starting at the beginning of June I'll have a preview for both tournaments, and I'll be covering both 
very exclusively on this show going forward, but that probably won't be for another couple of weeks. Anyway, last song of the day, Coldplay and Clocks. I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and make sure to tune in all spring and summer long to cmru.ca by students for you. Reminder, you can download our app in the App Store.